you singing Dirk Bentley again? Somewhere on a beach, sitting something strong. Got nope, a new girl. I'm, not, I'm not singing nothing. I can't sing nothing. We know how you sing on the road. I sing on the road, and it's the only place that we're allowed to sing because we cannot sing. Coming to you live from the Paw Station. This is the Paw Palace. The Paw Palace. The RNA Outdoors Podcast. It happened. Are you hearing now? Oh, yeah. Now, actually, I'm hearing way too good. Well, that can concern me, knowing you. Yeah. If you can't hear, then that's definitely a problem. Coming to you live in a countdown, and it's a five, four, three, two. Welcome to the RNA Outdoors Podcast, propelled by Ripcord Aero Rests. At RNA, we are a public land DIY conservationists that love to share our passion for the outdoors. So join us and our team as we speak with experts in the industry to share insight knowledge that helps make hunters and anglers more successful. Coming to you from the man cave here in Paso Robles, California at the RNA Outdoors headquarters. We are the RNA Outdoors podcast and uh, we are coming to you from a kind of cool and kind of drizzly, windy May day. It's kind of interesting, the weather. It's been like a cold front coming through the last few days. You're telling me the wind has been off the chart a couple of days, too. Yeah, which is not good because the wind dries things out. And the next thing you know, we have green grass turns to brown grass real quick. Well, as a friend of mine said the other day, we're two good winds away from this place being a fire hatchet. Yeah. So well, anyway, we are gathered this evening, um, both Jason and I together, the man, the myth, the legend from the NRA, uh, my good friend, bum, bum, my bum, colleague, bum. my neighbor, uh, and my co-host here, uh, Jason Quick, is back with us tonight uh, on the podcast. Jason, welcome back. It's been a while since we've hooked up. Well, it seems like you're actually working like a real man. It's kind of confusing me. you got to quit true. doing that stuff. That's true. Of course, and I haven't been around at all either, so I yeah. can't talk a whole lot of smack. And probably the last thing you and I want to get on is the rant going on with the NRA right now. Yeah. So there's a lot going on Come in that on. space. but. They're protesting everywhere. You know, I was at convention, and surprise, surprise, surprise. Every night I turned on the TV, I'm like, my God, look at national news. There's a whole bunch of protesters. I'm like, I'm here. I saw a total of six protesters in, like, nine days. There you go. I'm like, really? National news has found these people. I don't know where they found them, but they're supposedly protesting. I think they were out front of CNN headquarters, and they had people standing there. (laughs) They probably paid them minimum wage. Yeah. Yeah, 30, is, 30, 30 vans around there with all the news broadcasters and 12 protesters walking yeah. around in a circle, tight view, you know, look at all these people talking about, you know, black guns don't matter. Come on, that's biased, isn't it? Black yeah. guns matter. Yeah, they do. Anyway, I think sorry. that's you beeping. That's me? Yeah. But I anyways, thought it was you. Cool, cool convention. Oh, it is me. The president himself spoke and big news about new president of the NRA, so a lot of Potentially good things coming down the pike, I think, in, in your business. Absolutely. First time ever that both the president 
and the vice president were at the national convention. Very, very, very cool. And, of course, you know, right after that, you know, word about Ollie North becoming president of the NRA board. Big so deal. that's Big pretty deal. exciting stuff. And I and I look down, you know, I'm wearing my uh, my nephews in the Marines thing. And, and, of course, as soon as I said that, he's shipping off to Camp Lejeune here really fast on his second tour of duty. And he just sent me a text. Is it going to be anything cool? Is it going to be anything cool? It's a dead gum monkey. No, that's not a monkey. That's a baboon, and that's pretty uh, risque. That baboon picture, or is huh. it? That's a red, red, red rump. Red rear. Red rump baboon. Baboon. <clears throat> so, so okay. speaking of baboons, that we would probably wouldn't do us justice if we didn't at least talk about in a month and a half where oh you God. and I are going to be uh, in the safari over the pond over in South Africa together. Just Cha-ching. can't wait. To get on that plane and get over and there. And our friend and Randy that. is over there right now. Yeah, Randy Johnson's there experiencing his first African safari. I'll be experiencing my first, as we talked about, and you'll be experiencing number right, toes know. and fingers. Yeah. I don't think somewhere, we ran out. Somewhere, somewhere past seven or eight, I don't know, something yeah. like that. I'm not, I'm not Craig where I'm like, oh, it's 100 and some odds, I think. But, no, I've been quite a few times and absolutely love it and... I would go every year if my pocketbook would allow it, but about every two to three years, I, the itch comes back, and I have to have to go. And it's your fault this time because I wasn't. I was going to bag out, and I was going to bail on you. And I kind of twisted your arm. All of a sudden, you twisted a little bit, and we found a flight that I just could not refuse. Yep. And next thing I know, the wife said, "Well, if you're going to go, you got to take the boy with you." I'm like, oh darn it. Yeah, I really is. Darn it. I'm probably going to shoot half my, my pocketbook change yeah. that I've saved up for myself. He's going he's gonna to whack and stack himself. But It'll anyway. be fun. Maybe it's going to be a good trip, and we're going to plan to do a couple podcasts in June leading up to that. We've got some gear giveaways with our sponsors we're going to give away. And then when we're there, I'm going to have the podcast gear there. So our plan is to, if not nightly, probably every couple nights, recap the days, the stories. We're all going to be out doing our own thing, right? So come back. The, you know, the evenings over the campfire, I think is going to be some pretty cool campfire stories. I can't wait. You know, I mean, since uh, you've gotten me into this podcast thing, I, I've actually really come to enjoy it. And I think that just freewheeling in Africa with a sundowner and watching the fire trickle down, I, it's going to be it's going to be an absolute exquisite time. Yeah. No, looking so. forward to it. So anyway, you and I are here. We've got the 2018 California application draw looking us straight in the face. June 2nd is when um, the California draws is yep. due. Deadline uh, is at midnight. And the cool thing about California is it's unlike like Utah. You apply in February, you find out in May, right? Well, California, you apply in roughly 10 to 12 days, statistics are up and the draws are out. So you know pretty quick. Um, they're saying within June 19th to 20th, probably. So, I mean, plus that's, or minus 10 to 12 days. But still, that's, that's amazing. It's amazing that they can turn it around as quick as they do. But a lot of things in, in 2018 we want to talk about. Um, there's a couple new laws around poaching uh, we're going to talk about, which is kind of interesting. Chronic wasting disease, that bug is starting to kind of, you know, go viral, if you will, across the United States. They're, yeah. they're finding cases in Montana now on mule deer. So they've got some <laughs> surveillance they're doing in California. And then we're just going to go through the cadre of tags. Obviously, we're going to talk break down the applications for bighorn sheep, which um, you know, in in our <laughs> opinion, 
you know, California right now from it the desert sheep standpoint is just turning into a great state and harvesting some great sheep. We'll talk about elk, which are the three species of elk, which is the only state that offers um, all three species. Clearly deer uh, is a, is a, you know, a trophy uh, animal harvest here in this state. Uh, you've got basically two species of, of deer that are, are harvestable. Uh, and then pronghorn, which neither you and I get too crazy about in the state, <laughs> um, considering there's only six pronghorn units and not many tags given when, you know, about every two to three years, you can go to Wyoming and shoot one probably just as big as you would shoot one here. So. Well, I'm maximum tag, uh, maximum point holder on pronghorn, and, and I keep telling myself, I should just go ahead and try to draw it. And every time I say that, I try to draw it, and then I don't draw. And I'm like, really? Another year? Yeah. Another year. So anyway, let's let's go backwards a little bit. Let's go yeah. back to the beginning. Let's go back to so, what you started talking about because I am I am kind of interested in listening to your take on this new law about poaching. And, yeah. and don't get me wrong, I mean when I was a young man, that was actually I thought I wanted to be a fishing game officer, and I actually turned in some people for uh, shooting some does, and uh, they got busted for it in the whole nine yards, but. Uh, this is this is pretty interesting reading yeah. here. No, I think the, you know, yeah. So for 2018, there there's some new, a couple new things we're going to cover. But one that's kind of relatively new that kind of caught both of us um, by storm a little bit was a new law in poaching in California, what they consider trophy class wildlife. So, um, you know, based on you know the the penalties are very very significant. So a fine for poaching if convicted, a trophy deer, elk, antelope, or bighorn sheep, which we'll discuss what those are. Um, you know, is not less than five thousand, but could be up to forty thousand uh, dollars in a in a penalty, and then of course, you know, imprisonment. They're talking, you know, at least one year in county jail. So it's incredible what we're getting to in this state because I mean it's funny yeah. what what other states have considered trophy game in the past you know deer typically have not been thrown in that category antelope have never been thrown in that category right poaching yeah. those is okay you probably lose your license maybe for a couple of years but I mean it's getting to the point here where poaching's probably become a problem in this state for them to, to take this stance well and the silly part about this and we've we've talked about this before such as the case that I actually was almost on a trial for um, in the last episode, um, you know, I mean, you got people here that don't buy hunting license. They basically don't follow any of the rules. Well, they don't have a driver's license. So some of them, how can they get a hunting license? And then lo, lo and behold, they go out and they shoot a, shoot a doe on the side of the road and they get busted for it. And then they get hauled. They don't even get hauled off to jail. Right. And then they're asked to actually come to, you know, court for it. Yeah. And it's almost like a joke. I mean, I, I can't imagine somebody that's not here legally spending, paying a $5,000 fine, much less a $40,000 fine for something like yeah. this. Yeah. But Yeah, kind of breaking it down. So what in the state is considered, you know, considered a trophy class species or wildlife? So in deer hunting zones, and there's a, there's a multitude of zones, um, it's basically any deer with four or more points on either antler, which excludes the eye guards, or with an outside antler spread of at least 16 inches. And then all of the other zones identified four more points with an outside spread of at least 20 inches. Now, you and I are looking at that and saying, <laughs> okay, for our D zone units, which are predominantly more of the white, the mule deer class, yeah. a four by four, 20 inch deer, that's a two to three year old deer, yeah. right? I mean, consider trophy class. 
I, you know, I don't know who came up with what a trophy class animal is in the state of California, but this is almost jokeable. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying that a black tail that's what? How wide was that again? It 16 was inches. 16 inches. Yeah. A 16 inch black tail is pretty cool. But like yeah. here in our area, I mean, four good horns here on average are. Get bigger than that. Yeah, 16, 18 inches. So you know. really, I mean, a two-year-old or three-year-old buck that's a forked horn could be a tw- five to, to $40,000 fine. Yeah, and that's a pretty <laughs> wide range for someone to debate I mean, on, okay, you're going to get assessed a $20,000 penalty versus a $5,000 penalty. But I, you know, I shouldn't be laughing. There's probably some fishing game officer that's going to listen to this and go, oh, these guys, we need to look yeah. at them all the time. Well, like, the, I don't the know. ones to me that make sense, you know, if you if you illegally harvested an elk, and in this case, they identify five or more points, which, you know, is probably excludes some of your raghorns, but even some of your small five points would fall into this category, you know, would be considered trophy wild class. Any pronghorn with a horn at least 14 inches. Now, that's not a bad size antelope, but again, we're, we're not too hip on the antelope here. But, you know, any bighorn sheep ram defined as a male bighorn sheep having at least one horn, the two of it excludes beyond the straight line beginning at the front so essentially what they're talking about there is is if you've got probably a quarter to a half a curl bighorn sheep you're getting hooked up for this yeah you know so well, um, come on go to the, go to the last one the last one's the one that well, i the always last love. one's the best because any wild turkey with either a spur that is at least one inch in length or a beard measured by the longest strand or beard of at least eight or more inches. So basically anything excluding a one-year-old Jake, anything bigger than that could be a fine of $2,000 up to $5,000 or imprisonment in the county jail for more than one year for a wild turkey. <laughs> Sorry, am I, not, am I not supposed to laugh at this? Because, I, no. I mean, I think of thoughts like when the turkeys fly into your garage and start eating your dog food and scratching your brand new pickup truck yeah um i'm sorry i'm guessing that there's gonna be a problem here yeah somewhere i'm just i'm just saying it okay so anyway so not to not to not to make light of this this is serious stuff it is and you know maybe you'll have to bleep out this whole section i mean maybe maybe i think we'll keep it i think it was good i think it's some humor that we can add to kind of light this up but page four people what we're saying is read page four and realize that if you get caught doing something somewhere that you're not supposed to, you too could be looking at some serious level. And don't get me wrong. I think anybody that gets caught, you know, poaching an animal should be. And really, yeah. they, they define Agreed. this as, you know, shooting basically things with horns. I guess they think if you're poaching does just to eat them for meat, that that's okay. I don't really get that personally. Yeah. <clears throat> but once again, this is this is pretty serious stuff and can come with some major, major fines. Yep. So So don't be go aware. there. We're not endorsing that by any means. We just want to make the listeners aware. Um so moving on. So looking at licenses and fee schedules for 2018, again, like we noted, the deadline is June 2nd at midnight. Um, looking at licenses, you know, California is one of those states every year, it just goes up. 
Yep. A buck fifty, a buck seventy five. I mean, right now resident license is, is around forty eight dollars, non resident license is hundred and sixty nine dollars. And it's one of those things, you know, if you don't buy your lifetime license now, it's only gonna continue to go up every year. So you know, it, it's almost like you bite the bullet and you do it, because uh, you get your first ear tag every year, you get multiple pig tags, right? Yeah. So um, there's there is a benefit to that. And I did mine quite a few years ago, so I'm actually on the plus side, but I'm looking right now at the kids. You know, I mean, my son is still getting a $12.70 hunting license, so, you know, I'm not going to probably do that. But my daughter, who has turned 18 now, surprise, surprise, you know, she's she's in the she's official. She's in the resident pool. Yeah, the official resident, costly category, not youth too. anymore, yeah. So, and non-residents, while we're not really going to touch on that a whole lot, you know, the 169.5 for a non-resident license, that's a... That's a pretty big pull for a non-resident to come out here. To yeah. come out here, but with well, that, the black bear and the black tail opportunities, yeah. which we'll get into in a little while, you know, for a non-resident means you can hunt multiple species all at the same time. Yep. So, yep. So yeah, we'll uh, we'll kind of maybe talk a little bit more about you know the, we're going to talk about the fundraising tags, which are kind of a no-brainer. It's a random draw <laughs> tag, but for you know, $6 and change, you know, you have to put in for the open zone deer tag, you know, the multi-zone elk tag, the northeastern pronghorn tag. and Somebody's got to draw it. That's correct. The marble clipper um, sheep tag. And I think the South Bristol mountains as well are included in the, uh, in that raffle tag. And that's on, that's on page six for those people that are actually going to be, going to be looking, or you could even pull it up online in the digest too. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, we're basically following the uh, California hunting digest. And I will say one thing California does well is they do publish um, not only all the harvest statistics, but also the draw potential and odds based, you know, breakdown by two points, three points, four points. They do a pretty good job yeah. of outlining, you yes. know, if you're looking at a unit and kind of what you're what you're looking for. Um, something that's going to be changing and new is, you know, the, the non-lead ammo. There is some updates, really how it's phasing into the state and eventually, you know, to go California-wide. Um, I believe in 2019. So the plan is, is that, you know, basically, um, you know, if you're not hunting on a wildlife area or ecological reserve, um, and if you're not hunting with a shotgun, um, then you're basically not required to use lead until July 1st of 2019. Any other scenario, including the A zone where we hunt, which is considered California condor range, which remains in effect, the use of lead ammo, um, essentially, I mean, that's been in place for what, a couple of years now where yes. we haven't been able to, to use lead ammo. So it's, again, it's slowly phasing into where um, the whole state will go uh, basically lead free July 1st, 2019. 19, which includes the premium units, all the units, you know, the the G3 Goodale tags, the G39 tags, all the areas up in the eastern Sierras where they've actually not had any cases of California condor actually habitat. They're just planning to take it statewide. So. Well, and once again, we, we discussed a lot of this, you know, coming from the NRA. I think this is a lot to do with people trying to uh, make things non-hunting related and trying to push out hunters from being able to hunt i mean it's just a cold hard fact that uh the lead thing is pretty much a farce the way all the way through but it is the law so um you got to follow the law and just start shooting copper bullets yeah i mean that's the that's the name of the game i like copper bullets they do a great job for penetration so you just have to do your job and put this put the bullet in the right place 
you know, don't have any variances where it gets outside that heart-lung kill zone. Exactly. So, Yeah, so California is considered what is considered a modified preference point state. So kind of what does that mean? So this year in 2018, we had a point creep. So max point this year in 2018 is actually 16. I think I recall the year you applied when you drew your deer tag, it was 15. And I think there was a two-year lull when it sat at 15 because I think last year was 15 as well. So we've crept up a point. So max is 16. So the two, the, the way the base, essentially the modified preference works, there's two portions. There's the max point tag quota or the preference group, and then there's the random draw by choice. So again, so we take a, a unit like, um, you know, Goodale. If there's 35 tags as an example, 90% of those go to the preference, and then three of those essentially, which would be the 10%, go into the random draw. As just an example, we'll talk more about that. Um, for uh, for elk, sheep, and pronghorn, there's a one-tag quota. If there's a one-tag quota in that unit, that tag goes random. So random. as an example, like yep. oracopia, there's only one tag offered. That goes into the random draw. If there's a two-tag quota, one will go to the max preference point holder. The other one will go random, and then so on. Some of the units have three, four, you know, five sheep available in those units. Um, based on that, 90% will go to the max point, and then uh, one will go or 10% of those will go into uh, the random pool. So again, similar to a lot of the other states like Arizona, you know, Arizona kind of flipped it a little bit in that 10% random. Um, they do have, you know, the 5% goes yeah. to the, the the past unit and then the other 5% goes random. So a little bit different, but um, overall, you know, California is really set up if you're a resident, you know, to, to really, um, you know, harness the tags in the state i mean non-residents they have essentially one shot in an elk tag um they have one shot at a sheep tag. one shot at a sheep tag nope, no guarantees but no guarantees on any of those and then you know they can't hunt any of the premium deer units in the state so for a for a non-resident it's really not you know a friendly you know state to be Correct. applying in based on the fact that from the tag allocations but the other thing is is people want to shoot a slam of elk they can't go anywhere other than california to get that and get a yeah. tule so but it makes it tough um because really, when not it comes to the draw and non-resident this uh, our state system is really anti um non-residents let's just be honest but the reality is nobody comes to california under normal circumstances to hunt mule deer I mean, our mule deer here are just not, I'm not saying that we don't produce some mule deer that are phenomenal, but under normal circumstances, it's just not a place where people would want to put in for a draw, take so many years to get it as a non-resident and pull it off. On the other side, our blacktail are phenomenal, as you already know. And most of the units, the B units, as well as down here, the A units, they're almost over the counter. Even the last couple of years, they have... Sold out in the some B of the, units, they yeah, have sold out some of those quotas, which was really pretty surprising after so many years that they actually finally started hitting the maximum number. Of course, in success rate is, you know, 17%. So it's pretty much, it's pretty dismal yeah. when it comes to that. But for somebody that's interested in hunting blacktail deer in the state of California, as we mentioned earlier, you could buy a blacktail deer tag and a black bear tag. And, you know, in five days, you're probably going to have an opportunity to kill a black bear. Yeah. And potentially, you might even be able to kill a blacktail buck. So pretty yep. pretty interesting and fun stuff around here. Looking at uh, party applications, so for residents, um, for deer, 
the max number for a party in a group for deer is six. So you, me, your brother, your son, and two others could apply for deer if we all had a bunch of points. For elk and pronghorn, the max um, party is two, and then there is no party applications allowed um, for desert sheep in the state, just predominantly because there's so many limited tags that are available. Um, you know, they've just never offered that opportunity for, for residents. And inherently, you know, in my opinion, I mean, if you're going to go for elk, you should spread it out. Everybody should apply separately. Try to get as many names in the hat so you could possibly hit um, bighorn sheep. Of course, you don't have any choice, but there's only how many tags were there? 16 or something like that? Yeah, 17 I think there's, yeah, there's, yeah, tw- uh, there's four, eight. Yeah, there's probably 20 plus tags that are given tag so, wise. So. so once again, you can't apply for a party for that. So, you know, just pegging that now, you know, I mean, once again, we don't really talk about antelope, but at the same time, you know, deer, I could see people party hunting and trying to get a group of people to go together and, and do that. But most of the time, even in those scenarios, really more than two is is kind of a little crazy. Yep. So, yeah. So let's kind of jump in. So speaking of bighorn sheep, um, there's actually I just counted <laughs> there's 17 total tags that are awarded uh, in the whole state, and you've probably got I would say close to eight to ten thousand applicants every year that apply for for sheep in this state. So. You know, you can start doing running the numbers already to realize kind of where you're at there. But again, with with desert sheep, again, which is you know predominantly the Nelsonite uh, are the species of sheep that are really starting to get pretty world renowned um, down in you know some of the uh, the uh, southeastern units in in California. Ninety percent of the tags, uh, which again go to residents, there is a ten percent uh, non-resident quota, which essentially rounds up to being one non-resident tag. No party applications, and you have to be at least sixteen years years old to apply. So, think which about Wyatt, Wyatt is really upset about that. Just yeah. so you know, he's still he still bummed. Yeah, he can't he can't get in on that. But can't build any points either. That's the worst part. I know. The other thing is there's a mandatory orientation. If you are to draw one of the tags, you're required to take the orientation um, that's required there. Uh, And then there are actually a total of nine zones or hunt zones, but there is actually two units where they are not proposing any tags for 2018. So really you're only looking at seven total zones that have tags. The uh, zone two, the uh, Kelso Peak Mountains, uh, and then also the uh, Sheep's Hole Mountains, which is Zone 6, are not allocating any tags uh, in 2018, which is kind of interesting because last year they didn't either. And from what I heard, those units have come down with the, with the strain of pneumonia that they're, yes. they're, they're battling that, that sheep herd there. So it makes it kind of tough on the sheep, especially you know, in a state like California where you just don't have a lot of sheep. And you, when, you, when you start bringing pneumonia into this scenario, it makes it even worse to manage those. So. And for those people that are following along, you know, this is on page 54. It really does break down the preference pro- point quota. And it shows you the random quota and all the number of applicants and maximum points that are, that are needed. Uh, maximum point holders such as myself that, that applied um, really... What I find interesting about this is, Lucas, you and I's standpoints on this because of points are a little different, right? I mean, you're looking at at potentially putting in for either one, the one tag or two tags, you know, either the Oracopias or the San Gregorios, where I personally, as a maximum point holder, is thinking more like, well, I want to apply for the one that has four tags. Mm-hmm. Why is that? That's because 
you know, You're when, there's, your odds. when there's four tags, three of them are three guaranteed them. to go to um, maximum point holders. So, you know, the challenge with that, of course, is I noticed when I looked at the numbers over the last couple of years, those points really seem to have, have uh, we haven't got any of the maximum point people that have disappeared. Well, I mean, look at the, at, look at the maximum point applicants. So let's take a, let's take a unit like the, the Katy mountains that, that have four tags, right? And the Katy's are just to the east of, of Barstow from a, from just kind of a geographical standpoint, 517 maximum point applicants. For four tags. Four tags. Well, three tags. And actually three tags because one's going to go to random. One's going to go to random. So the Marble Clippers is another range, 435 maximum point applicants. So it gets you down to the point where, okay, do I hedge my odds and try to draw one of these three tags as a max point holder, or do I go to a unit like Zone 4 or a Copias where there's 94 max point holders, yet it's going to a random draw. So I could apply for that tag and potentially draw it too. Correct. So that's where this state... It makes it really tough trying to figure out where, where, where's my best chance to draw sheep, right? And, and we've talked numerous times in regards to elk, and we'll get into this a little bit later, or the bighorn sheep, at how many animals we actually have. I mean, there are animals out there every year dying of old age, but they are very, very conservative in the number of tags that they're allowing out. Now, like you said, when you hit these pneumonia situations... And all of a sudden, you go from having some tags to no tags. That's really rough on our wildlife. But you and I both know that over in the Goodale area, we saw plenty of sheep in that area. Yeah. Some really impressive rams. Yeah. And basically, the only thing that kill rams out there are the mountain lions. Yeah. So, Which I think what they're using some of that for is I think they're using some of that to transplant into some of these units that have pneumonia. But, you know, Goodale, I mean, you literally go across the other side of the Sierras and you're not far from the White Mountains, right? Yeah. Up on the kind of the Nevada California and that border. That stuff so. was pretty gnarly, dude. It's, I mean, where yeah. those sheep ran into that canyon that we saw. That to me is sheep country though. Oh, that's you know, nuts. it's like nuts. when you and I saw that ram just perched out on that rock, I'm thinking to me that's like sheep country, not hunting down in did you Palm ever post, Springs. Did you right? ever post that photograph? I did post that picture. Yeah. That's one that you should, yeah. when you pull this out, you should do it again. That's, yeah, for that's sure. pretty cool stuff. So just kind of real quick, looking at tag quotas have not changed. 2017, there was 17 tags allotted. 2018, same amount of tags. They still have closed down zone two uh, and zone six based on the uh, pneumonia outbreak there. Um, so not a lot different to report there. The one interesting fact is 2017 hunter success, which again, California is a mandatory requirement for big game species um, to uh, to uh, make sure that you post uh, and also go online and, and, and post your success or your, or your unsuccessful. Um, every unit was 100% successful minus the whites. And the whites um, looks like they had a tag quota of three, and they only filled two of the three. But I mean, as you and I know, the White Mountains range from eleven thousand to thirteen thousand yeah, feet. You typically have to park at eight to nine thousand horseback in two, three thousand feet, and then you could be hunting another couple thousand feet north of there. So, and you know, a lot of people they they apply for that tag because they look at the numbers and they go, "Oh, this is the this is the best one of the better chances to draw a tag," and no offense, if it's a person like my father who has max points, but he's 77 years old now, and you get over there and you realize, oh my God, if you don't have horses, you're, you are very limited. And yep. I mean, 
you may have to hike in and even spend the night up there. And a lot of these hunts, you know, the hunt dates sometimes aren't exactly what you would think, but, uh, when is actually that one's early, right? Yeah, so the White Mountains does the August, August through September. To, correct, which is weather, you know, weather related. If you go like the traditional other sheep units, you know, go from basically December into February. Um, but you know, when you read about Zone Seven, it talks about extremely rugged terrain at very high elevations. Altitude sickness has affected previous hunters. Physical conditions should be above average. Vehicle access is limited to none. So yeah, it and just kind of gives you that that preference on you know what what you need to be ready for when you go you do could, that hunt you couldn't do that hunt uh, well rephrase last year you could have hunted up there in december and you know we didn't get a snowstorm no. until february no so you could have totally hunted up there in the late season but dur- during normal seasons like the last couple of times that we've been up in the Goodale area i mean heck that area would be just yeah would be solid in december with snow yep. So and I think they say, you know, some of those rams kind of pass between, you know, the California Nevada border, which are, again, they're the same species of, uh, of desert sheep, but they kind of go between the two states. But a lot of them, you know, the, the weather can force them back onto this side, which, um, you know, technically, um, you know, is, that's why this hunt is earlier based on the elevation and the, and the weather issues that would happen probably later in the year. The other units are, you know, basically in the southeast, which is all, you know, desert, true desert, um, you know, environment eating yeah. cactus and they're you know drinking from small little guzzlers of water i mean that's really how they live in in those in those climates the one thing i can say though is because california is so conservative on its management of sheep that pretty much as you can see out of what the 17 tags last year one person didn't kill okay the other side of that is quality of rams in california is off the charts I mean, as we know, Goliath was killed here. Yep. In fact, I think I saw a picture in Kika's ad. What is that's on uh, on page forty five? That is just an absolute stomper. Yeah. And all the other sheep that was killed in this in most of these units were the same way. So I mean, we all know really probably the number one, number two units is zone four and zone five. Um, very limited number of tags in those areas. But any unit can, well, all units basically can produce 160-plus class Even 170-class rams is what they're saying a lot of the units are, are have the potential for. And what's funny is you can flip through these last few pages. Uh, this is on 54 and 55, and they've got one, two, three, four, five, six sheep on that one. And then you bounce back a few pages to a couple of the other ads, like on 45, and you got one, two sheep there of i'm sure these are all last year's rams yeah and every one of them you're looking at for a desert variety sheep is just absolutely stunning yeah i mean um, yep. so Mossback you, has a has an article in here terry anderson has one in here some sheep san Gorgino wilderness outfitters which is terry's outfit i mean look at the sheep that's on page yeah. 17 i mean look at that i mean that's an incredible all california sheep zones 100 percent success so yeah, there's a lot of, again, not a lot of tags, but, you know, with these outfitters and the game that they're playing, they have essentially three or four sheep probably in each of those units that are one, two, three, and four. And if they can't find number one, they're on to number two, and they've got clients lined up ready to go. And yeah, so, I mean, for those people that are that are thinking, oh, man, I'm, I'm too far out of it, throw your name in the hat. 
it's cheap. It's cheap from a sheep standpoint. Even if you decided you were going to go do it yourself, if you have the time, that's the key thing. And a lot of these units, if you have, you know, three weeks to dedicate to this, you're going to kill a sheep. Yep. I mean, really, if you probably have two weeks, you're going to kill a sheep. Uh, You know, now if you only have two weekends, you probably should think about calling one of these guides to to hook you up, up. Yep. and and go that direction. Because I talked to a good friend of mine, Clyde, who's going to be in in Epic this next month, and he killed an absolute stomper with Terry Anderson and the San Gregorios. I mean, it's it's a phenomenal sheep, and the only reason it's not the biggest sheep killed this year is because Goliath was killed this yeah. year. So yeah, I mean, for eight dollars and thirteen cents application fee, you got it. It's you a no brainer. You got to apply, and it's there a is a random, right? There is a random in every one of these units. Yep. So I mean, you could just go down through here, and I mean, if you're not in good shape, do not apply for the White Mountains. I mean, that's just the reality. But if you're in good shape. White Mountains is probably the place that you want to want to apply for. Now that is a high elevation hunt, and it's early in the year. So if you yeah. don't have time available in August September, then you want to go to the you know December January situation. If nothing else, almost everybody gets time over Christmas and New Year's, yeah. and and that would be a great opportunity to be able to harvest a ram if you are the lucky person to have your name come out of the hat. Yep. So absolutely apply, apply, apply. Don't forget to apply for bighorn sheep. Yes. So moving on, um, elk. So let's talk a little bit about the elk species. So again, California is one of those States, um, that offers all three species. So the Thule elk, which traditionally, you know, sit from kind of the grizzly Island area, South all the way into kind of where we inhabit down here in the La Panza zone, you know, cornering all the way into the Owens Valley, all the way, um, you know, to the west in like the Hunter Liggett zones. Um, and then you've got, of course, the Roosevelt's, which is everything from what I understand is to the west of I-5 towards the north, the northeastern unit or the northwestern units, Del Norte. And then you've got the Rockies. Which now, coming sit, from Del Norte, we'd give you a bunch of crap from calling it Del Norte. Del but- Norte. But I, no forg- e. I, forg- I forgive you. It's okay. Yeah, I'm not from here. so Yeah, exactly. And then the Rockies, you know, which is interesting, looking at the Rocky species right now, which is in those northeastern units, you know, between Tejon Ranch and those northeastern units, they're, they're killing 400-inch bulls. They're killing some stompers, man. It's, it's incredible. unbelievable. It's absolutely incredible. And, so, you, and you know what's funny is you look at California and think, oh, I can't believe that they even have elk. Well, the reality is, just as you mentioned, we have all three species. Yeah. And on top of that, you mentioned Tahone Ranch. They kill 380 to 400 class inch bulls every year. Then you turn around and you go to the northwest, or excuse me, northeast corner, and they've been pulling some big, big bulls out of there. Yeah. And here's my opinion. I think right now the elk herds in California... Because I don't believe the elk are being as affected by the mountain lion as much as the deer. I think elk is the next thing for California. Of yeah. course, and we did talk last time we went over this stuff about, you know, California's view on, oh, we're, we're over the next 20 years, we want to increase our tags by 20%. Well, when you only give five tags away and over the next 20 years, you want to increase it by 25%. That's a whopping one or two tags yeah. over 20 years. But you and I have both been in situations. You were out here at Fort Hunter Liggett. I was up at the San Luis Reservoir where they say, oh, there's only there's only 280 head of elk out here. And I know for a fact 
you know, yeah. six years ago, we, yeah. I counted over 300 head of elk from one spot within the vision of my 15 power binoculars. Yeah, it's bogus. So that they're, was six years. They're reporting, but that's, that's six years ago. And we, you know, I think we talked about that in a previous podcast, but it is. I mean, you and I have witnessed much more than what the stats say. And in that publication they put out, which is kind of the every 10 year um, publication they put out on, on elk. I mean, it's interesting what their strategy and plan is for the future when you really look at it from the standpoint of elk are going to become a problem in this state at some point if they don't manage them and hunters are there's no better way to conserve the the wildlife than to use hunting as that as that method but i think that's the point that we want to get across to all our listeners if you're not applying in california for elk you need to start doing so now even if you are just putting in for a point I believe that in the next 10 years, we are going to have some phenomenal elk herds. Not that we don't have phenomenal elk herds right now. It's just it's so hard to draw that that that's a problem. But, you know, I talked to a gentleman in New Zealand, and he says, well, when you have a herd of 100 red stag and 70% of them are females and they throw off at least one offspring a year, you could do the math at how fast the herd grows. Yeah. So I think in California, the herds are growing at those rates right now. It's only going to be a matter of time before private landowners and or people that have access. I mean, for the first time in years, the place that my brother and I and my dad has hunted for 40 years, we saw elk on it. It's just nuts. We had never seen an elk there ever before. Elk are branching out. They're spreading out. Pretty soon, I think Northern California is going to basically have elk all over the place. Yeah. So Well, it's getting to be that way, right? I mean, when you really look at it from the standpoint of resident, non-resident, so, you know, there's one non-resident tag that goes into the (laughs) pool, and that could be, again, Thule, could be Roosevelt, could be be Rocky Mountain. It, It all depends on who that person is, where they apply, and, and the points that they have. You've got to be at least 12 years of age to apply, so technically Wyatt could be applying for elk. Um, and there oh, are 23 is. units in the state of California for elk. So just kind of perusing through them, you know, I mean, clearly the ones to me that kind of, the, you know, when you say the cream rises to the top, you know, Grizzly Island is one of those places that, I mean, they're transplanting elk in the state out of Grizzly Island, and that's really where the Record sanctuary book. has been yep. for Thule elk. Um you know, we kind of live in an area, the La Panza area, that holds a lot of herds of elk. I mean, I think what they say, La Panza has the most elk in the state, Thule elk. Now in we're terms talking Thule's. Thule's, yep. yeah. Um, you know, from a population standpoint. And then when you get over into kind of the Owens Valley area, you've got a multitude of units there. Yep. yep, Gooddale, Independence, Lone Pine, just to name a couple. I think Whitney is another one that has, you know, a lot of, of opportunities for elk. But at the same time, the last world record, I think, was taken out of Owens two or three years ago by Mossback. That, and, that and bullet at, was shot out of uh, and look one of the, Owens units. What I like to look to is look at the hunter success ratio. I mean, there's only a couple of these that are like under 60%. Yeah. Most of them is 100, 50, 60, 73, 17. You're like, what, what happened there? Oh, must not have been there. 100, 100, 100. I mean, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100, 100. 100, 100. I mean, geez, oh, criminy. Pretty much almost three quarters of this whole page says 100% success. Yeah. And I mean, so, some of them, I mean, like I say, you only got two tags. So someone doesn't 
tag out, you know, you've got only a 50% success rate there. So not a lot of tags given out. But, yeah, but overall, much if, if you, you g- averaged the hunter success, you're probably in the top 70 to 80%-ish yeah. on average. So, so basically what we're trying to say is if you draw a tag, you're if, you got, if you've got enough days to hunt, you're going to kill something. Yep. I mean, that is just what it gets right down to is, you know, hunter success here in California – for toolies, but a lot of people they dedicate a lot of time. I took eleven days to kill my toolie. Yep. You know, and that wasn't counting scouting days. I mean, I I stayed there the whole time trying to make it happen. Yep. But when you wait that many years to draw it, you know, in my opinion, you're you're not going to just blow in on the Saturday and Sunday, you know, and and hope that the it works out. Warrior, yeah. Yeah, just kind of looking at the, some of the opportunities we offer. You know, we do offer both antlerless and spike hunts, which. Okay, not everybody wants to shoot a bull, and that's okay, right? But when but you listen, start, some people just want to shoot a tule elk, yeah, right? They want to shoot a spike, and so. if you shoot a spike, I mean that that technically could can help yeah. you complete your slam of elk. Yeah, and, and you I've look seen at some guys of the mount odds. them. I've seen them mount them, mount yeah. them up on the wall too. Yeah, the draws are are pretty good. But then you take something like Grizzly Island, and you look at the bull tag, like the September draw. Which the funny thing is, with that is, it's it's a three day season. It's September thirteenth through the sixteenth, so four days. Twenty two hundred ninety four applications for three tags. Yeah, well, you know, for a once four day again, hunt, it which is a, you probably don't need island. more than a morning. It hunt. is an island, but, and that's basically what everybody does yeah. is they go down there to to basically try to get one. And I know, like my brother applied there, but he's a school teacher, and he told me the only way if he draws that he's going to be able to go is a situation like that where he's got only got a couple of days to share. But on the other hand, you know, that, that place has been 100% success for yeah. forever and then a few days, yep. you know. But I still really, I mean, there is so many opportunities in California, and you and I have talked about, you know, they can hunt muzzleloader, you could hunt, you know, archery, there is just, there's so many different things. There's the apprentice, which is the junior hunts, yep. even though what I find interesting about the junior hunts is sometimes the junior hunt odds are actually worse than the regular applications. And I, I don't know if parents are just going, oh, it's a junior hunt, so it's got to be better. So they don't look at that. But if you're a dad or a mom putting in for your kid, you need to look at those odds on some of the junior hunts because I've seen some of those where I look over on the regular one and there's 10 tags in the regular hunt and there's only three in the junior. And the odds of drawing the random tags are way better and there's maybe no maximum point holders applying for those hunts either. So yeah, yeah, that's interesting. So I mean, yeah, you've got the apprentice hunts, which there's a you know there's a handful of of both you know Rocky Roosevelt and Thule opportunities from the archery only standpoint. You've essentially got um, an opportunity at a Rocky Mountain in the northeastern unit. Then all the other units are Thule's. Then there's a muzzleloader archery combination, which you could hunt uh, the Marble Mountains, which I believe is the Marble Mountains on the west side of I-5, which is up in the uh, kind of the the northwestern area, along with um, some Thule hunts. And then you've got just the Roosevelt hunts, which are the, you know, the northwestern tag, which is Del Norte, where your family's at the marble mountain which is again i think the the western side of i5 to the north there um 
So, and then the Cisco U, which is another one of those units that um, has, you know, quite a few tags. I mean, they're talking 20 plus <coughs> tags that they offer in that unit. Um, the Marble Mountain Bull tag, there's 35 tag allocation, but again, you got, you know, 2,000 people that apply. So, well, in those, those areas, I mean, the reality is too that that is some serious country. Yeah, it's dense. And it's dense and it's big and it's, I mean, the herd population, when you find the elk, it's like, holy cow, there's a whole herd of them. But if you're not in the right place at the right time, you could spend a week driving around looking for elk. And if you're hunting when they're not bugling, you can have some problems. Now, the hunt dates are perfect for, yeah, for a lot of those. Most of them are September, September. 5 through 27 on most of them. Yeah. I mean, that's that's... The advantage is you could drive to a ridge, you could bugle, you could see if anything responds. Pray it's not another hunter looking for the same thing that you're looking for and just trying to respond to you. Yeah. But... You know, the struggle, I think, with a lot of the Roosevelt hunts is is, is private lands. And you know that. I yes. mean, being up there, there's not a lot of public land. Uh, and where there's public land, but where the elk typically inhabit, a lot of that area is all private. Little 20, 40, 100-acre sections. That well, are, and, the, and the Northwest hunt, basically where my family lives, and we've talked about this before, um, pretty much it's dairy farms, right? Like you said, 20, 40... 80 acre places. Literally, my brother's helped a guy the last two years, two different guys that were actually friends, um, harvest bulls there. But the silly part is literally one guy said he sat on this one fence. He was allowed to hunt on this one 40 acres, wasn't allowed to hunt on the next over. He sat on that fence line for like three days waiting for an elk to cross. And guess what? In the three days that he waited there, they never crossed over the fence. And he goes, you want to talk about frustrating, you know, you can pull the trigger on this side of the barbed wire fence, but on the other side of the fence, within 80 yards, there's 60 bulls standing. And they know where they're at. And they know right where they're at. And they know not to go across the fence. So, but, you know... He found another little place of 20 acres, and surprise, surprise, guess what? There was a bull elk there. Yeah. Now, he paid a trespass fee to do it, but at the same time, after you spend seven or eight days trying to get him to cross over a little small, you know, three-wire, bob-wire fence. Yeah, it makes it tough. Yeah, it was pretty tough. Yeah, so just to recap real quick, like we said, you know, three species of elk, um, you know, one non-resident tag. So we're, we're really speaking to the residents on our podcast here. But, you know, there's 23 units. And, again, it ranges all the way from north to, to really the southern part, which is really the A-zone area where we're at. It expands all the way over into Owens Valley to the north, all the way in, like, the Lassen County northeastern area where they're just pulling out some huge Rocky Mountain elk. Um, so yeah, just a, a lot of opportunities. Again, apprentice juniors, archery, muzzleloader, um, are all, uh, opportunities out there, of course, along with rifle hunts. Um, I definitely recommend you, you know, get a copy of the digest, either download the copy online or, or go to your local Walmart. I'll probably have a copy of it. And you can kind of go through and look at draw statistics and also proposed hunts in 18 and uh, fill out your application again, eight bucks. It's a no brainer. Yep. Put your name in the hat. Um, Everyone's, and if you've never had elk, lucky. oh my God, talk about the greatest meat. Yeah. I mean, no if doubt. you're just building points, I would I would suggest if you just want to go hunting, put in for a cow hunt. 
Some of the odds are not that great, but still, some of them yeah. are under one in twenty draw odds. I mean, if you get dumb lucky and hit hit a cow elk tag, dude, it is phenomenal eating, and you get the experience to go out there and chase elk. And there's nothing better in September to hear elk bugle. No, know? that is Lucas and I. Yeah, we're something we're, we're uh, junkies. Yep. Yeah. So okay, moving on, deer. Uh, which is near and dear, I know, to your heart, Jason. Uh-huh. You're a big deer guy, and I'm turning more into a deer snob, although I'm not quite there yet. But um, the beauty of California is, is, you know, we do have a lot of opportunities for deer. And when you talk yes. about deer, we're talking about mule deer on the eastern side of the Sierras, predominantly running all the way as far north into basically the Nevada border. You'll find mule deer, a lot of migration hunts, and we'll talk about some of those. And then essentially as you work your way west, we have what's kind of called called the hybrid mule deer, blacktail deer. Yes. Uh, and then which kind of gets to where our zone is in our area, which are kind of that hybrid. Um, they do have a blacktail, but their bodies and their antler configurations are not dark, dark chocolate like your traditional blacktails are. But you can definitely see kind of the hybrid mule mix in the actual deer that we hunt here well, as a could, general rule. You could think of the I-5 corridor as, you know, anything to the west of the I-5 corridor as theoretically speaking true black kind of the mason dixon line yeah Yeah. and anything on the eastern side of the i-5 as potentially a mule deer hybrid mix especially when you start talking about the the edges of the zones on both sides you can go either direction and then when you get into the sierras and and the x zones you know really that's where you would get more of a mule deer true mule deer at the same time um, I would say a lot of times I think that the blacktail gene is up in some of the peripheries of those also. Now, when you get a deer that comes out of the Nevada side or potentially, well, really even a lot of the ones that are coming out of the Oregon area, a lot of them I yeah. think are blacktail mixes also. Yep. But if you get something that's right on the X3B, X5B, X6, you know, X7, X8, X12, X9, you know, those are truly mule deer. But when you start getting lower, like the X9, then it drops into the Ds, then you're back into the kind of desert hybrid mix again. Correct. So, yeah. So um, just a couple things. What's new in 2018, you know, last year, um, D6, which is kind of that zone just to the west of us in the Sierras, Change from a premium uh, to restricted deer tag, which I thought was interesting. All the quotas changed um, this year. The A22, so A actually stands for archery. Um, that is the I believe the San Diego um, either sex archery tag went from restricted to premium, so that now became a premium tag. And also A18 and A19, which I I find those units interesting because A18 and A19 are the Inyo units, which are on essentially (laughs) the west side or the east side of 395, which is across from Goodale and those units. And you look over there and you're like, how are there any deer over there? And And we've been in there and rumor has it that they do have a population there, but you want to talk about arid and no food, no water, scary, freaky. Like you think about, well, what happens to you if your truck breaks down while you're out in there. Yeah. And the reality is that if you're way back in there and your truck breaks down and you don't have food and water and it's some way to get a phone call out to somebody to help you, it's not you a place are, that you, you are in be, right? serious trouble. Serious trouble. 
Yeah. So, so anyway, so just some changes this year. So, you know, California is a state that requires mandatory um, harvest reporting um, for its big game species. And in, in, in 2017, they made it mandatory uh, for deer. And if you didn't, um, you know, pr- provide your harvest report, um, there's a $21.60 penalty fee <laughs> that's incurred on your next year's license when you go to buy your, your deer tag for the following year. So again, even if you're unsuccessful um, in the state, you are required um, to report your harvest, which, you know, I guess you can look at it, you know, half empty, half full, right? Um, there are going to be some people that won't report harvest just because that's who they are and they'll assess the fee and they'll take it. But generally speaking, most people will report and you're going to probably get better information when you start to look through and see, okay, what was success rates? Cause with deer, it's important. I mean, cause they go, was it a two point? Was it a three point? Was it a four point? And you can start to break that down and really yes. see based on the unit, you know, what's the percentage of four points taken versus three points, which if you're looking for a trophy or a better class of deer, that's kind of what you're looking for. Which I have to admit, you know, once again, just like you stated earlier, California does a fantastic job of giving statistics in regards to actual numbers and with the mandatory reporting process that really does help us go okay like i was looking at the x zone success rate and the success rate is 40 percent, 65 50 37 53 i mean really none of them in the x zones drop below the uh, upper 30 percent rate i mean that's that's phenomenal the downside to it is you look over here and you go, okay, well, how many of them were forked horns? And it's like, okay, 30% of them were forked horns. So sure. pretty much when a person draws a tag, and, and this is kind of something that's hard for me, when you wait, you know, 10 years to draw a unit and then you go shoot a forked horn? I mean, really? You waited 10 years to shoot a forked horn? I, I just... Man, it's it's hard for it's hard for me to swallow. But you know, I already had we already talked about my good deal experience and my yep. brothers, and those things are just you know it's tough. Yep. But I will say, in my opinion, while we're talking about deer, blacktail. I mean, they're one of the most underrated. It's kind of like coos deer in Arizona. You know, nobody really takes them seriously, but. Blacktail are a really challenging animal to hunt. Yeah. As I told you last year that we did the podcast, you know, you'll probably take multiple years before you actually kill a really good one. And then opening morning, you you stick a smoker right off the get-go. Yeah. But that's, a, that's, that's something that I think everybody should look at. And the beautiful part about California is a lot of these zones at this present time are two-buck zones. Sure. So you could come to California if you're a non-resident. Buy a black bear tag, buy a black tail tag. If you shoot one black tail, you could go to fish and game and buy a second one under normal circumstances and and continue hunting. Yep. I mean, it's it's pretty phenomenal. Yeah, and that's one thing when you talk about mandatory harvest reporting. That was kind of one of our thoughts because there was rumor that like an RA zone, um, you know, area that they were potentially looking at cutting back the first and potentially yeah. the second deer tag because if okay so making let's it say, a one buck zone instead of a two yeah. buck zone so if you apply and you know in your premium your first tag and you end up let's say drawing one of the premium tags you could still you hunt an unrestricted deer unit on your second deer tag so you could get an a zone tag as 
an example, or you could get um, a D7 or a D8 tag in some of those unrestricted areas. But um, yeah, and that's the one cool thing about California is, is that, you know, you do have the potential to shoot two deer. Um, you know, you could get your A-zone tag and then you could get any of the unrestricted deer units, which again, deer D's three through five, seven, eight, 10, 11, 13, 15, and 19. So a lot of opportunities, tag quotas are, you know, for A-zone 65,000 tag quota, which I don't believe they filled that in quite some time. Um, so a lot of opportunities, then on the flip side of that is you got some of your restricted hunts like the B zone, which you were talking about blacktails. They have a tag quota of 35,000. And I believe last year they did fill, or at least they did um, have a tag quota exceedance where they did fill all 35,000 tags. Now of that population, only 17% of the hunters were actually successful. Well, and that's, so, what, that's what I was going to get to. Just because you bought a tag doesn't mean you're successful. No. And I will say, you know, the the reality is that I, I saw some stat a couple of years ago where they were saying pretty much it was about every four to seven years a person would actually kill a buck. And, I mean, if you think about this, 35,000 people – bought a B-Zone tag, which B-Zone, just so you know, is B1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 6. I mean, it's a huge geographical area. Essentially North, the Trinities, right? Mendocino, yeah. Shasta, Trinity, National Oregon, Forest. Oregon border down yep. to the down to basically Santa Rosa area um, and pretty much I-5 over. It's a huge, huge geographical area. A lot of public land. Oh, yeah, right? lots which and lots neat. of public land. But still, 17% success. I yeah. mean... Talk about absolutely miserable. Yeah. But your hunt dates are, once again, I always hope that we'll get some weather, but hunt dates for bow is August 18th through September 9th, which the beautiful thing about that, there is one zone that's a little earlier, but the nice thing about that is if if you've got other hunts going on, most likely you don't have them in that time frame. No. Now, the general season in most of these units is September 15th through October 21st. The problem with that is opening weekend, a lot of people are going to be shooting forked horns. Everybody's going to, there's going to be more deer available then. But the ideal situation is if you got some weather towards the end of October, that's when you have a potential of maybe finding a really good buck, you know, and killing, killing a nice deer. Yeah. Just to kind of talk a little bit more about deer, I mean, really the the general method units, which are the premium units, you know, your your G three, Goodale, you know, tag your G six Kern River is a good one, uh, and then of course you get into like, um, you know, G thirty seven, which is the Anderson Flat, and the G thirty nine. Late season hunts, right? Yeah, the late season, um, really the the premium rifle, you know, tags. Um, you know, they're those are the those are the you know the the tags that are really folks are holding out for. You know, those are the max point, 16 plus point guys that are trying to draw, you know, one of those tags. And when you look at it, it's interesting. I mean, like the Round Valley tag, the late season, there's two tags. So one goes to the high point pass, one goes to, you know, a random draw. So yep. it, you know, when you've got, and I'm not even sure how many thousands of people apply for that unit. I mean, that's just one that's, I mean, is so far fetched versus like a good Dale tag, you know, like, um, you know, the Anderson flat tag, 25 tags. And then, you know, Kern river is a really good tag. And I've seen a lot of guys shoot some pretty good deer out of there. And, uh, you know, they have 50 tags that are available and it's a December hunt. So, 
you know, really what you're looking for there is weather pushing the animals down, or in some cases, you know, it's a migration. So in the, in the Eastern Sierra units, it's really, if we get weather, it pushes the deer over the top from the West side over to the East side. You know, we've talked about that because we had some experience up there a couple of years ago. So, um, the challenging part is if you don't have any weather, those deer are at 11,000 feet. And get you could drive a vehicle to about six, some places maybe 75, but yeah. that's still a long ways. And most people aren't going to go up there and stay up there. No. I mean, that means it's a day thing. You go in in the morning and you come out that night. That's a lot of, yeah. a lot of no, miles. It's long, it's long days, and especially the, in that and weather. And the draw odds are still, even with max points, you're still looking at like a 1 in 20 chance at, at one of those tags. Um yeah, you know, my, my brother has drawn, I've drawn, my dad still hasn't drawn. I thought that was pretty funny. You know, he's the, the eldest in the group. Yeah. And he's uh, next though. He's, yeah, he's next. That's, that's the problem. We're wondering where to, where yeah. to put him in for. Yeah. So that's some of the general methods, you know, in the muzzleloader units, the Doyle muzzleloader tag is kind of one that always kind of stands out. Um, there's 20 tags available there. Pretty high success rate. And that's a late November hunt again, which is a migration um, the Bass Hill hunt is something that's been turning into a, a much better tag. I know in the archery, um, I think that's the A26 tag uh, is, has seen, you know, some pretty good, um, you know, success rates there. And then, of course, Devil's Garden is another one that's starting to turn into um, kind of what they would consider, you know, one of the more next premium units, uh, which yes. is, again, another migration hunt. Um, and that's a late October and November hunt. Uh, but there's you're starting to see some really high caliber deer, you know, in the 180 plus class taken um, out of that Devil's Garden area as well. So and, um, and once again, then you switch down into the muzzleloader hunts. The Doyle muzzleloader hunt has always been considered a good one. 75 percent success rate with 20 tags. It's a November 17th to 25th date. I mean, talk about some great, great dates, you know. You know, those are ones that you you got to look at to think if if you have the availability and if you know how to use a muzzleloader, those opportunities could be where you should focus your 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 efforts to actually get a tag. You know, yeah. I mean, if, if you're not an archer and looking at the you know the area specific archery hunts, which are all hunt codes, you know that start with an A, which have you know much better draw success rate and and interesting enough when you look at the hunter success percentages they're not terribly bad in some of the units so when you think about a devil's garden archery there's 10 tags 67 percent you know that's not a bad success rate i have to also mention for those people that are not experienced now lucas says that starts with an a that means it's an a1 a3 a with a number behind it don't get that confused with a general A blacktail tag. Correct. Okay. Or the AO archery only tag. Yeah, because a general A blacktail tag is just the letter A only, and that gets you, that tag is what we call a general over-the-counter tag that you could hunt archery and rifle on the same tag down in our geographical areas. We just don't want anybody to get confused about that. Yeah, so numeric and, and then number would be the archery specific tags, which require points to draw them. They're Correct. not a, they're not a unrestricted like an A zone tag. Uh, but again, just looking at some of the more you know premier units like the Anderson Flat, 
um, the Monterey A24 tag, which is a tag, you know, we've kind of talked about the A33, which is just the 400 legged late season tag, you know, 36% success rate Uh, again. And, you know, there's, there's not a lot of, you know, diehard bow hunters in this state, but a lot of them are, I mean, are getting it done. When you think about Bass Hill, A26, 30 tag quota, 75% of the population filled. I mean, that's, that's some sweet numbers. That's not bad. Right. I mean, that's pretty high success rate for, for archery. And then you've got all of the, basically the X stone units, which are considered, you know, X9A, X9B, which are, you know, the Owens Valley area, X10, X12, which are north of there uh, or to the, uh, to the, to the east of there. So yeah, it all just kind of breaks them down and you can see, you know, all those dates are early in August. So you're hunting bucks in velvet. Um, You're up high, way high elevation, um, you know, and you're, you're really looking for deer that are moving probably from water back to bed during the day uh, or the first thing in the morning in the evening but and good couple, opportunity at a good deer a couple things to note on that too is there is three zones um x9c x10 and then the san diego either sex basically those three zones did not fill up in the draw everything else that has an asterisk or a diamond next to it those actually filled up during the draw and so when those filled up during the draw, there was no leftover tags. But we're looking at, you know, some of these tag quota numbers. I mean, they're not huge numbers. Like archery and X1, you know, there was only 100 tags there. Yeah. And X2, 10. X3A, 40. X3B, 70. X4, 120. X5A, 10. X5B, 5. You know, I mean, when you start looking at some of those numbers, that's pretty... That's pretty rough to try to say, oh, yeah. I'm going to put in for five tags yeah. for archery, right? Exactly. So you, anybody's got to look at that. If you are a diehard archery guy, though, that is truly your best opportunity to get a tag for what we would consider a premium unit in the state of California and um, potentially hunt them early in the year when there's maybe five or six bucks running together. And they're in the velvet, so they're not in the tight brush. They're out in the open, you know, better opportunities. Yep. Yeah, so just to kind of sum up deer and in the digest pages 20 through 32, kind of go ahead and break down a the 2017 harvest reporting. Again, which for all you listeners out there, it's mandatory deer harvest reporting requirement. Um, again, if you don't, you'll be assessed a penalty the following year on your on your uh, deer tag. And then the 2018 proposed deer hunts. So it goes through, again, all the restricted, unrestricted, and premium hunts. And then, of course, it goes into um, all of the opportunities for muzzleloader, archery, and then the general uh, general hunts as well with rifle. So a ton of opportunity. Um, you know, I would consider California an opportunity state for deer. If you want to shoot a blacktail and you're not a resident, um, it's a great opportunity. Pay the 150 60 bucks, get your A-zone tag around $300. You're out here and you're hunting, you know, blacktail deer. And there's a fair amount of wilderness and public land that you can get into, to, you know, blacktails. Of course, if you have friends that have private property, you know, that you're not going to have deer that are being harassed and pushed around. That's probably a better chance at a better deer. But, um as you and I know, we go out, drive an hour from here, we're hunting wilderness and we're having multiple stocks in an evening, you know, on, on, you know, 18 inch forks to, you know, a 20 inch deer. On trophy class deer. Trophy Lucas, class deer trophy considered class in this deer state. Yeah. In this state. So. I will, I will point out too, once again, and we've talked about this also, black bear, 
while it's not very many black bear in this geographical area that we're in, you go into Northern California, and I mean, they have more damn black bear than you can shake a stick at. Yeah. If you're down in this area, I would highly suggest if you are here black tail hunting, you should buy a pig tag. I mean, you never know. I always say pigs are where pigs are. You could be hunting an area that is not inherently known for pigs and come around a bend, and there could be a freaking whole herd of them standing on the whole, on the hillside. Correct. If you have a tag in your pocket, you're in on the game, yep. right? Absolutely. So yep. if, if you're hunting the Sierras, you want a t- bear tag in your pocket. If you're hunting basically west of there and the flat land coastal area like us you want a pig tag in your pocket no question it's a no-brainer okay lastly just to kind of real quick let's go over the pronghorn hunts and again (laughs) not not a lot to talk about there Um, maximum point holder yeah Um, maximum point holder still hasn't hunted for antelope so that's that's 16 for me right I mean, 16 yeah. years been applying for Correct. an antelope tag, and I still can't get one. Yeah, so just kind of looking at the breakdown, I mean, you know, clearly the tables in Lassen, um, you know, county, and, and, and that tag is probably one of the better, you know, quality tags in the state. There is an apprentice hunt. There is an archery-only hunt where your draw odds are a little better, and then you've got the general rifle method, uh, which includes um, basically two of the table um Two of the table units, you've got two Lassen units, uh, which are really, again, when you look at the draw odds, you know, two to 3,000 applications in those go in for 40-ish plus tags with a pretty high hunter success rate. Um, but again, a lot of applications, limited tags, unless you're a max point holder. Well, it's... you know, I just opened this up and for the first time I actually looked at it. I'm, I'm finally thinking that there... Well, I could be the unluckiest guy in the world when it comes to antelope, but at this present time, I'm thinking, really, according to this, you know, the likely tables, which is one of the ones that I've been applying for, says last year, 10 people applied with maximum points. So, you know, who knows? I might be hunting antelope in California this year for the first time in my life. Yeah. Wouldn't that be cool? Well, and the problem with you is you just haven't drawn tags lately, so you gotta you gotta stoop to been. a California <laughs> antelope tag. Yeah, I know. Which wouldn't be such a bad thing because most people in their lifetime could never say they've harvested an antelope in California. So that's true. That's true. Well, you know, the funny part is I I, I have been kind of hoarding points, but I got kids right now, so yep. you know we've been focusing a lot of energy on them. And at this time last year, we already knew we had a deer hunt in nevada coming up and we knew we had an elk hunt in arizona coming up and so it was it was at the stage that it was like okay well we're we're just begging a point and moving it on but now i'm i have no well we have wyatt's one mule deer tag you of course have got that nevada or new mexico elk tag so maybe this is the year to go go to california burn your points man burn the burn the points right yeah well, that's a probably three, four day trip to go up there and shoot a decent pronghorn. So anyway, six pronghorn units. Um, again, you can see the tag stats and the digest on page 51, all the proposed hunts on page 52. There is an apprentice hunt. So if you've got juniors, it'd be great for them to have an opportunity there. There's the archery hunt. Uh, and then there's also, again, the general method, which includes the six units, including the uh, lesson and the tables, which have two different uh, basically zones that they do hunts in that have different dates and periods for those. So anyway, um, 
man, that kind of wraps it up. I mean, when we look yeah. at, you know, there's, there's really, when you think about it, there's, you know, there's really seven species of, of trophy animals. I mean, in California, you've got the bighorn sheep. We talked about that, you know, clearly the, uh, the quality of sheep in this state have just gotten to the point where, um, you'd be foolish not to apply for, for, for desert sheep in this state. You've got three species of elk. So that puts us at four trophy species. You've got two species of deer that puts us at six and then with pronghorn essentially puts it at seven um, trophy quality type species that require points to draw tags uh, in this state Um, so yeah and then like you had said previously black bears wild pigs um, upland bird you know there's great quail in the state turkey hunting the real grand turkeys is pretty exciting too if you've got nothing else to do in the spring Um, so you know a lot of people think about California and they're like, no, I would never want to hunt in California. And I kind of look at it and say, you know what? I, I don't mind living here, being a sportsman in the outdoors, because I'll tell you, essentially from spring through the end of the year, you can be hunting something, right? You can hunt turkeys and pigs in the spring. You can start archery deer hunting in July, which will take you basically into August, September with your hunt tag. And then if you got a black bear tag in your pocket, you can hunt till they never fill the quota once they, since they took away dogs and bait so yep. you, you can essentially hunt year-round uh, on a lot of species of animals here and have a lot of fun doing it and see a lot of country you know when you think about going up into the eastern sierras and hunting black bears as an example that is just some of the most rugged country i mean you look at it absolutely and you're like wow and then you actually go hike it and it, again it's it'll it's, kick your it'll yeah it's, you know it's, coming from sea level when we run over there to the sierras and you're thinking oh, yeah, I'm in great shape, and then you get it 6,000 feet, and you're like, man, I'm kind of a little thin, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh, i got to climb to 11 yeah. to see that animal. That's pretty hardcore. I want to throw in one thing before we shut this whole thing down. Um, we've mentioned a lot of things, but we also have what's called the SHARE program, and for those people that don't know what that is, it's like a raffle tag that comes around after the draws are all done, it's usually done, they start the application period, I believe is in July for the share program. And a lot of the share hunts are actually, it's, it's what page is it on? It's on uh, page 40. Um, it's something for you to look at if you're just wanting to, you know, try to draw a random tag. I will tell you, it is a raffle. The odds of hitting it is horrible. Some of the numbers are worse than actually drawing underneath regular stats. Um, but in this case, you know, they had 13 bull elk tags, 31 cow elk tags, four junior only archery, or excuse me, antlerless elk tags. And it was really, um, I had a friend that actually drew one of these. And I, of course, when he said he was going to put in for it, was kind of laughing because I couldn't believe he'd actually waste his money on it. But he hit. And if you look in here, there's, you know, there's some pretty nice animals that they take on this share. And what the share program does is most most of these hunts are all held on private property. And basically the money that's raised from this helps rebuild fences and that kind of stuff uh, with these landowners. Because these landowners, as we talked about, especially the ones that have elk on their property, um, the elk are just coming in from all over the place. And they are just literally trashing landowners' properties. Some places are as small as 20 acres. Other places are big. But, um, you know, it's something to think about. If if you run out of all other options and you don't have any tags in your pocket, 
check out page 40 and maybe throw 20 40 dollars in on a on a raffle and see if you get dumb lucky and and hit a tag yeah and then real quick we one thing we kind of breezed over too was you know the fundraising which are the random tags um which again are, are another opportunity for you to put a few bucks in the hat where essentially you have the opportunity to draw the open zone deer tag, which allows a hunter to basically hunt any of the authorized season dates for deer. So it would basically allow you to hunt any of the units that have an actual season and date during that time. So deer, deer tag open zone. That means you could start hunting in July and hunt and till hunt December till essentially middle of December yeah. in the Goodale. Now, a lot of people I know like the year that I had it, one guy actually, had that tag and he ended up hunting the good dale season but he had hunted like three other seasons he hunted round valley he hunted the devil's garden he hunted like lots of other places and never found anything that he wanted so he just kept bagging off to the next one so yep once again the odds of drawing it are horrible but if you get it it's pretty cool yeah absolutely you you could start hunting in july and you could if you don't find something you want to harvest you could go all the way through december so hopefully you have lots of time to to spend on the hunt the northeastern pronghorn tag which is kind of what we were talking about basically the tables in the lassen county which is everything in the northeast for sheep it's the marble clippers and the south bristol mountains um, which is the desert sheep tag there which essentially allows you to start hunting in november which again when you look at most of the normal dates besides the whites i'll start in december so it allows you to hunt you know a month before the general season so if there is a big ram that's been identified you know, allow you to get in there and potentially harvest that animal. And then the multiple zone uh, elk tag, which essentially lets you hunt, um, you know, a lot of the uh, northwestern units um, west of I-5. It gets you into the northeastern units, which is really during the uh, rut season, which is August, end of August to September. And then it also allows you um, to hunt the Lapanza zone down here, again, which is basically any legal method to take um, can be harvested during that multiple elk zone tag. So pretty cool um again just another thing california throws in to throw you know a little bit of money at uh and you know it's 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 definitely worth putting a few extra dollars in to try to draw one of those fundraising random taxes really at the end of the day the fundraising the money goes back into conservation which is where i think is important that you know a lot of these um you know types of opportunities that money goes back into that which is important i think what they said last year the fundraising random tag generated more than three hundred and forty thousand dollars for big game management in california so not a huge chunk of money but Every little bit helps, you know, to try to continue to keep, you know, something that we, you know, keep close to our chest, something very important to us. And, and that's, that's being in the outdoors and sharing that with our friends and family and so forth. So. Well, and you and that's and that's the reality right there. I mean, this is this is something that we believe in. This is something we want to do. And while you said three hundred thousand isn't a lot of money, um, you know, it it's it's an opportunity too. And if you get dumb lucky and you hit one of those lottery draws like that, at least it's something that you can, you and your family and friends, and hell, if you hit one of those tags, call us. We, we want to know about it, too, because sure. we're, we're all in for that kind of stuff. We love to see if we can help out. Well, and you think about it when, you know, someone buys just the, uh, you know, the, the auction tag for 300 grand, you know, at these <laughs> cheap dinners and other dinners. So, or it, 410 depends on yeah, who, who's bidding on it. Right. Exactly. So, so, well, cool. We've been rambling and, uh, 
you know, which is usually what we like to do. But hopefully there was some good information in here. Um, we always kind of like to talk about our, I would say, Jason's home state, my home away from home state, but has become kind of my home state. But, you know, it's good to really look at the opportunities because there is a lot of big game opportunities in California. And to me, it is kind of one of the best kept secrets in the state is the amount of opportunity there is to hunt, you know, essentially almost year round here. Well, we have more animals, as you already pointed out, than than most people ever realize. Our biggest issue, of course, is the mountain lion that we can't we can't do anything about, and that we'll never be able to do anything about because the legislature will not allow us. Even the fish and game officers want to manage the animal themselves, not have some rule by uh, government telling them what they can and can't do. Um, you know, we never talked about the wolf issue this go around but supposedly we have a couple of breeding prayers and for those people that don't think that the end goal isn't to have a whole flock of of wolves running around here you guys are you know sadly mistaken but right now that's not the case they're not a whole lot of them out there most of the ones that we know of are in the north uh, east corner and uh, hopefully aren't causing too much havoc coming from oregon but yeah well cool man so I think the next time you and I'll be wired up, we'll be over the pond over in South Africa. So, well, you know, unless I, we unless we decide to do one like I talked yeah, about, I, I think, think that's a good idea. If you guys we'll think that we should tee one up for uh, um, a, a pre-prep going to Africa, what you need to get together, shoot Lucas a note on Instagram or Facebook or any one of those Twitter tweeting things. And, all the uh, things you have, all right? the things that I don't do, yeah. uh, hit him up and tell him that you want to hear about us, what we're trying to get together. Cause we've been talking about, uh, what gun are you taking? What bow are you taking? What gear are you using? Yeah. What do you need? Do you need this binocular? Do you need that? Do you need a vaccination? If you're interested in finding out more information like that, let Lucas know. And maybe we'll uh, throw a fast podcast before we leave out for Africa. And then hopefully while we're uh, getting ready to go, you'll hear the next two or three episodes of Africa things that we've already done. Yep. And then after that, we're going to be whacking and stacking on the dark continent and maybe even looking down black death and seeing if uh, we could have a little fun. Yeah. Yeah. The black death is, uh, that's on my list. (laughs) It's already got me, it's already got me going. So I'm excited for that. Hey, listen, cowboys and Indians, you Indian, me bring cowboys Big bang That's stick right. with solids to back you up. As long as you're over my shoulder, I'm gonna feel really confident that uh, that I'll I'll probably make the right choice. But well, we'll see. You send it down range. If he starts coming the wrong direction, we'll fill him full of holes. I mean, you felt the arrows that I'm gonna be shooting. So, dude, that arrow was freaking killer. Anyway. Like, it's like a sling of rebar. Oh, <laughs> uh, you let's wrap this thing okay, up. Man. If they're well, interested. Thanks. They'll let us know, and we'll do another one. If not, yep. Till the next time. Thanks, partner. And like I said, if you guys have any questions, reach out to us. Um, again, June deadline or deadline for California is June 2nd. We're not experts, but we can definitely help in providing any insight on areas or units that we have some expertise in. We're more than welcome to help. And uh, yeah, look forward to getting our applications in. I think you and I kind of know what we're going to apply for, and hopefully we'll, maybe we'll draw a tag. Yeah, somebody draws good, Dale. Let us know. We got a lot of good information on yeah. that, even though hate to break the bad news to you. Trophy 130 classes. to 160 class, yeah. or I think I know right where there's a big, big, big Forgothorn. So if we can just get you to shoot a big Forgothorn, we might be able to take care of that early on. That's right. You know, everyone needs a 30 inch buck wide on their on their pedestal, right, or on their wall. 
I should have shot it with the lever action 2535, but, you know, that's for another story. Cool. All right, buddy. Peace well, thanks, out. Thanks for coming on, and uh, thanks, listeners, for tuning in, and we'll catch you guys again for another venture on the RNA Outdoors podcast. Hey, everyone. This is Lucas Pa, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to Podcasts app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it'll automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or just use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Instagram at Rod N Arrow Outdoors, and Facebook, RNA Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well. If you like what you've heard, we hope you'll pass along our channel to your friends and colleagues. Keep up the good fight. We cannot sit by and watch the public lands devoted to wildlife protection wither away. There's simply too much at stake. Make your voice heard, speak up, get involved with conservation efforts, and know that every little bit helps. As we say on the mountain, see you guys on the next ridge.